this is a season of uncertainty, I'm sure, for Debbie and her family as they're launching into this. And it's fitting that I'd be speaking on uncertainty this morning and because this is really what it's like to, to live. But anytime you launch something or begin a new work, it's tremendous uncertainty. It's just unpredictable what it's going to look like. And so her, for her and her family, there's all sorts of questions that, that God's going to need to answer in time. And so uh, it, it really does set us up to kind of continue on in this morning's message as we're looking at some of the things that we all face in this season of, of Christmas time. And so we've been looking at some of the different waves, Christmas waves that roll into our lives. We've looked at the wave of demand. We've looked at the wave of comparison. This morning I want to talk about the wave of uncertainty. And the reality is that's just life. Life is uncertain. You don't know what's in the future. None of us. You know, nobody has a pulse exactly on what our lives are going to look like. You might think you do, but you really don't. And so we've been illustrating each week and comparing some real-life famous waves to the pressures that we face, the things that roll into our lives. So this week, the wave that probably best represents the wave of uncertainty is is in Huntington Beach. It's just the Huntington Beach wave. Huntington Beach is called Surf City, USA. And so this is Huntington Beach. It's beautiful. Uh, however, it's fairly unpredictable. It's, it, it breaks consistently there, so it draws a consistent crowd of surfers there, especially at the pier. The pier adds a little bit of protection, but you got to fight for the good waves by the pier, but tends to draw a pretty large crowd of people. Um, but it's, it's not a predictable wave like you might have in other parts of the world that have reef breaks and just predictable uh, patterns of break. This is very, very unpredictable. Uh, but sometimes this is what rolls in. You get sometimes a perfect kind of A-frame wave like this that can roll into Huntington Beach. And the surfers there, they just love it. And if you're on the pier watching, they can go different directions. And sometimes the wind is just right, the waves hold up, and, and guys just love to shred these waves. Other times, you know, it's it can be even too large. So here's a picture of just, you know, in 1988, waves were crashing over the pier. You can get huge there. And that's just the nature of the ocean, certainly. But people flock to Huntington Beach. Has anybody ever been to the U.S. Open down there? Here's a picture of the crowds the U.S. Open is surfing. The vans U.S. Open is surfing. It can draw huge crowds. And from one day to the next, you can have great waves. Um, I, was, I was at the U.S. Open once, and I was listening to some, uh, to some people talk about And they were from... Uh, the Santa Cruz area, who experience, a, uh, in, in one section at least, a very predictable wave that's just beautiful shape, and it's a really nice wave, and they were kind of making fun of the wave down here because of how unpredictable it is. But it's true. There's just some places where the waves are just far more predictable, and so the surfers that come to Huntington Beach, uh, a lot of times the East Coast surfers do better because they're used to trying to find you know, waves and make the most. So here's here's a picture of a pro just trying to make the most of a smaller wave. Because sometimes the U.S. Open calendar doesn't line up with a big swell. And so you just get these small waves and they got to do what they can. And the reason why the waves are so uncertain is because there's a trench that runs parallel to the beach that changes the waves. It changes the waves depending on the tide and depending on the wind conditions. And so I found this article from the Orange County Register and it talks about the unpredictable nature of, of Huntington Beach waves. So the average observer, the waves of Huntington Beach look like ordinary waves, but U.S. Open surfers know these waves have their own personalities that are unpredictable, stingy with barrels, and often small. Its geographic structure and incoming swells deliver a variety of waves, 
that are hard to read and require more technical skills for a surfer to go big. And this is just the nature of that wave. And for a surf competition, that can be really frustrating. Um, but in real life, this, this kind of uncertainty is just common. This is what it is real. This is normal. There's certainty in all sorts of, uncertainty in all sorts of categories, like relationships. Our relationships are uncertain. Like, we don't know, and the Bible says, we don't know whether love or hate awaits us. The writer of Ecclesiastes, he writes that. Basically, we're fickle. We have relationships with people who are fickle. Some days, we're good, things are alright. The next day, something's not right, but we don't know what happened from one day to the next. Relationships are uncertain. We're, we relate to people, real people, not robots. And so, health, health is uncertain. Your health is uncertain. Sometimes you get sick and it's like the worst time. You're on vacation or it's Christmas. Uh, or injuries, they spring up. You get hurt. And when the injury strikes and there's a, or there's a serious health problem, you can't just kind of schedule that into your life and fit it into your calendar. You have to just deal with that you know, new norm. Or the weather. Or, or your future. Your future is just uncertain. You, know, you think it's going to look a certain way for your kids or your adult children. Or, or your aging parents, or the economy, or you have a retirement plan and then everything just gets tweaked and it doesn't look anything like you expected. And so uncertainty is just normal. But it can bring confusion, it can bring fear, it can bring worry, and for some it can even just stop you and paralyze you. And so this is not new to us, but what I want to do is I want to look at the Christmas story and examine the uncertain circumstances that really surround Jesus' birth. And so, because with the Christmas story, there's an image that comes to mind. Here's the image. This is kind of like a familiar Christmas image. You've got the nativity scene, and everyone's gathered around. I mean, this is something we've become familiar with. It looks like a Hallmark card, doesn't it? It's like this perfect Hallmark card. Like, this might be your card this year, you know. You could put your family on the back, and, you know, seasons or, or you know, Merry Christmas, and, and birth of a king, joy to the world. You'd expect something like this on the Hallmark card. It's peaceful, like there's animals there, but they're not nipping at baby Jesus. They're, they're trustworthy animals, apparently, because they're up close. And, you know, when would you ever have all these animals just gathered like that? And the angels, and you've got these wise men, which in this card, they happen to make the card, but in the, in the Bible, they're, they're a little bit far off from the scene, so it's not totally accurate at this point. But, um, but anyway, this is the imagery we get, but when we read the Bible... Here's what we find out. And this is, I want to ask you to take out your listening guide here. We see that the Christmas story is layered with moments of uncertainty. It's layered thick with uncertainty as you study it. You realize, wow, this is, this is not like that tidy Hallmark card, the greeting card. You see, you and I, we get to read the Christmas story on this side of history. We get to read it and we can read back into what God was doing. But when we read it from Mary and Joseph's vantage point, man, they did not know what was going to happen from one moment to the next. Things just took a really strange turn in their lives. Everything in their lives changed with the visitation of an angel. So let's look at Luke 1, verses 26 and on. It says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Okay, and then it's basically the angel comes, okay, and 
An angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, at this point, it had been 400 years of silence. Okay, there was, there was no prophets, no prophecy, there was no messages, no messengers. So this greeting, um, marked a major moment in God's revelation. He was communicating again with his people. Something was happening in history, and to this family, they get to play a key part. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Because the greeting, he says, is greet, you know, he says greeting, which is like angel for hello, you know. That's how you would, it just basically, hello, you know. Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. She's like, why are you calling me this? Why are you, why are you giving me this honor and this title? What's so special about me? And her face and her body language, it must have shown signs of terror because the angel begins to reassure her. Look at verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now this news right here would have been utterly inconceivable, okay? You know, she's, she's a virgin, so she's like, how could I, how could this happen, you know? He says this, he will be great, speaking of the child, he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since, you know, since I'm a virgin? So, we don't exactly know what she was thinking, but, you know, she does know she's a virgin. Uh, she knows that she is likely to be rejected in this society if she's found to be pregnant. Um, she's, a, a, as a Jewish woman, she could be stoned for this. Um, Joseph would probably divorce her, uh, which would leave her without anyone to take care of her. So there's all of this question of, how am I going to get by? So her whole life, it's just probably thoughts and emotions. But instead of being overcome by them, Mary just responds with the question, how will this be? This is a much better question than a why me question. A lot of times we get news that we weren't expecting, we say, why me? And we start going down the why. And we start giving into a different set of emotions. She asks a good question, which is how? Like, how, how, how is this going to happen? And now, it's, a, it's still a question of uncertainty, but compare that to Gabriel's announcement, which is full of certainty. This is what Gabriel says. Mary, you will receive, or you will conceive, and you will give birth to a son. You know, his name will be Jesus. He will reign forever. His kingdom will not end. So there's all this certainty with the angel's announcement. And then Luke 2 records kind of Jesus' birth, which has many twists and turns. The, the, the birth, especially, is, is even less tidy. It's, again, it's not this hallmark greeting card picture like we've grown accustomed to with the nativity scenes. Instead, it's this journey where Mary and Joseph have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem on this journey, and they go to Bethlehem for a census. And the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem would have taken four to seven days. This is not an ideal thing to do if, if you're a woman in the later stages of pregnancy. Okay, So for those of you who've been through pregnancy, imagine going on a, a journey for four to seven days. And, you know, today women are not allowed to travel on an airplane in their third trimester, right? For the most part. 
Mary, she walked or she rode, you know, upwards of 90 miles. So talk about facing uncertainty. I imagine both of them are just wondering, how, how, are, how are we going to do this? How is she going to do this and make this trek in her condition? And then Joseph and Mary, they have nowhere to stay when they arrive in Bethlehem. You know, the websites were like totally full. Everything was booked. Reservations, you couldn't get anything. There was no like modern amenities to... Well, we can just find a cheaper motel. No, I mean, there was, there was nothing available. So today, think again about pregnancy. You get to check in, for the most part, to a hospital. You can get a tour of the facility before you give birth. You can request a private room, maybe, depending on where you're at. Um, most parents, you know, you also get to, like, build and set up your, your baby's room before bringing your child home. We see just the opposite of all that. We see a nativity scene you know, in our mind, but we failed to remember that this must have been the most worrisome place to give birth. In a cold cave, animals nearby, just not not ideal. But back back to Luke one, okay? Mary asks this question How will this be since I'm a virgin? Then verse thirty six. Here's it says actually verse thirty five. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, now this is a sign. The angel gives her this sign. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. Now, Elizabeth, her relative, was barren. Okay, She was barren. So they, now Gabriel is saying, look, your relative is pregnant, even in her old age, and she has conceived a son. This is the sixth month now of her who was called barren. So, so how does Mary cope with all of this? Here's how. Basically, it's the certainty of God. The certainty of God's plan was enough for an uncertain Mary to trust Him. Mary was confident in God. And if you look at verse 37... It says, for nothing will be impossible with God. This is what Gabriel says to her. Basically, you're going to conceive your relative. She has already conceived. How is this true? Well, nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary said, behold. Now here's her response of faith. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Basically, she's saying, I accept this. I accept this. Let it be. And then it says the angel departed her. Okay, And I'm sure Mary was filled with more questions at that point. Yet, Mary set a tremendous example for us in this response of, I'm the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And so she had already settled that her life was not her own. Despite her having her own plans, and of how her marriage ought to go, and what her family would look like, you know, this is, she just decides to surrender right then to God's plan, and she begins to praise Him. Now after the announcement... Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, okay? She goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was previously barren, older in her in in years, but now she's six months pregnant with John. And John was basically a prophet. He would become a prophet who was going to pave the way for the ministry of Jesus, John the Baptist. And as Mary enters into Elizabeth's house, so Mary walks in to see She really believes that what the angel says is is true, but she goes to see Elizabeth. And when she walks into the house, John, who is in the womb, in Elizabeth's womb, leaps inside the womb, prompting Elizabeth to just proclaim a blessing over Mary and over the child that Mary is carrying. 
And so there's something significant going on, again, confirming that God is working out His plan. And then this whole section of Scripture begins a, a, a place in Scripture that's commonly called Mary's Song of Praise. And it highlights, this Song of Praise highlights how should we respond in faith during a period of uncertainty. And so, I want to walk through a, a portion of Mary's song of praise. So she's basically there in the house. Elizabeth has just, you know, proclaimed blessing because something inside of her is jumping for joy that she's entered the room. Mary proclaims a blessing over, or Elizabeth does over Mary and over the child. And then, there's this uh, interaction that begins to happen. I want to look at this. So, first thing, when, when we're facing uncertainty, we can take God at His word. That's what Mary did. She took God at His word. Whatever uncertainty you're facing in your life, you can trust God. You can take Him at His word. You can believe His word. Or His words from, from the Scripture. When God speaks to us through the Scripture, we can take Him at His word. He keeps His promises. Joseph and Mary, they knew very little about the kind of the history-altering events that were taking place. But still, they trusted God nonetheless. In fact, a key statement is made in verse 45. Look at verse 45. This is what Elizabeth says to Mary. Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who believed... Basically, blessed are you, Mary. You're the one who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary just trusted in God's plan. And it, it was her job as God's servant to follow in faith. And sometimes, in our lives, that's all we can do. Sometimes things are going haywire, our plans get interrupted, and all we can really do is hang tightly to God's Word and just say, God, I'm, I'm going to take you at your Word. By faith, I'm going to stake my life in what you said. And I'm not going to move from there. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, but I'm not overwhelmed. I'm going to take you at your Word. And for, for many of us, that's what we have to do. And sometimes that's all we can do, because no one else can reassure us otherwise. And so we take God at His word. And then second, we can also praise God despite fear. Praising God despite fear. This whole section of praise to God is, is shown here. Here's a sample, verse 46 through 47. Mary says this, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What she's doing is she's just praising God. And whenever we focus our praise on God, it actually minimizes our fears. Whatever we magnify in life, whatever we worship in life, becomes our focus. And so praise takes our focus off of our circumstances and just puts them on the God who's in control. And so if you're really struggling right now, what I would say is try extended times of praise and prayer. Just lengthen the amount of time you're giving to praise and worship. I'm not just saying like, do two services on Sunday. I mean, you could do that. That may be helpful for a season. But what I'm saying is, every day, take a little extra time to praise God. Take a little extra time to worship Him. Take a little extra time to pray and lay things before Him. Or, or just magnify. The idea of magnify is like, I'm making this thing great. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing the boundaries out and saying, this is, this is huge. God, You are significant. Your ways are right and true. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a lot of space in my life to just focus on that and to more than just acknowledge it, to believe that. So take some extra time. Also, when uncertainty hits, trust God over our plans. That's what we see with Mary. She trusts God and His plans and His ways over, over her own. This is what she says, For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. 
For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She recognizes, man, I'm not worthy of God's blessing, but I'm trusting in God's strength and His holiness. My, her plans were totally altered. And the truth is, all of our plans can only get us so far in life. All, all, God, you know, often allows our plans to be interrupted so that He can begin to be magnified more presently in our life. And God has the power to just change our life up. He can change, though, the generations that can come from us as we follow Him and just keep trusting in His plan. And then last, remember His faithfulness and help. This is what Mary does. She just brings to mind how faithful God has been. Trusting God and remembering His faithfulness are linked. They're linked in Scripture. Look at verses 51 through 54. She says, He has shown, speaking of God, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. So she just continued to focus on God's strength and she directed her attention to God and His power. The fact that God could fulfill and, or that God would fulfill His promises that He made. Why? Well, because God had been faithful. She could look back and she recounted God's faithfulness to people that are humble. The proud, Mary says, the proud, they, they, the proud and the, and the mighty, they, they can lose their status. If we get into pride, put power in ourselves, get too self-dependent, then we can lose our status. We can get tripped up. But the humble, you know, Mary says, the humble God exalts. And so she's a woman that just personally had seen God come through. She was a woman of real faith. She knew God had the power to keep His word and keep His promises. Here's a quote from Corey Tenboom. Corey Tenboom was a survivor of the Holocaust, and her family they worked to save many Jews from capture. Here's what she said: Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. That really echoes what Mary had to say in this song. Mary was not afraid to trust God because God had been faithful and. I would encourage you, as you, as we wrap up right now, and as the as the worship team comes up to to wrap up our service, I would encourage you to think through how you can take steps forward with the uncertainties in your own life. If you're paralyzed right now with fear or worry, or you're being consumed with anxiety over over the uncertainties you're facing, first off, identify the uncertainty in your life. That's a good step. Identify what is causing me concern right now. What is it? I need to define that and not just stay foggy in, in, in anxiety. I need to identify what that is. And then second, take a step of faith. Respond in faith by, and you fill in the blank, what that looks like for you. You know, maybe for you, when the unexpected issue comes up in your life, will you be the one who says, hey, we'll trust the God who guides We'll trust the God who guides, the God who provides. We're going to keep trusting. When Rather than wigging out or freaking out, would you be the friend or the parent who just says, look, let's recall what God has done. just want to remind everyone how faithful God has been. We can trust Him. Let's move forward in faith. That's what Mary did. She, she moved forward in faith. Joseph and Mary, you know, they with the information they were given, they trusted. And look what God did through their lives. 
the, the last thing I want to encourage you to consider and really if you're ready to finalize and make a commitment to giving to the Christmas offering then as John mentioned uh, finish filling out that commitment card and in just a moment when the ushers come by you can drop that in the offering basket you can give any time between now and the 31st of January you can break it up if you'd like to just give this is giving over and above your regular tithes and offerings and so uh, let's pray together Father thank you again for this time Thank you for the story that reminds us, Lord, that you you work through imperfect people to accomplish your plans, Lord. And if we will surrender our way to your way, God, you could you could you could change us. Lives and generations can be impacted as we just open up ourselves to you and just be willing servants of yours Lord help us this Christmas season not to be captured by uh, worries or fears about what could come but help us to just trust you each day extend our praise Lord help us to be like Mary in the way that we magnify you and, and worship you not just on a Sunday but Lord help us to do that and find ways to do that more and more in our daily lives and routines Lord Stretch our generosity, God. We ask you to do that. I pray that you'd give us a clear, uh, just an amount, Lord, that you would want us to stretch as we give uh, to the Christmas offering this year, Lord. Thank you for the ministry of Rebirth Homes and for the chance that we as a church have to partner with them. We ask you to bless our partnership, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.